Welcome to the Promethean Perspective Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Hello, lovely listeners. I hope that you are all doing wonderful. I have had a wonderful summer, and as you know, we stopped for a summer break uh, quite a while ago, back in May. And so it is delightful to now be here with you all and to just share with you some updates that I have experienced over the summer. And I'm looking at the monitor right now for the recording and everything is green and beeping green and flashing green and locked in. So I think we have the sounds all going well. And I kind of remembered how to do this. Actually, as I was setting up, I had this one cord and I was like, what does this even go to? I don't think I need this for anything. I don't even know why it's here. And then I very, very quickly realized that was a very rational thought because it actually is the one that connects the microphone to the computer. And I realized it's kind of very crucial when you're aiming to record a podcast. It's crucial to have a microphone um, that's connected to whatever you're recording on. So we are a bit rusty, you could say, in terms of recording and how all the equipment works. But we're going to figure it out. We're going to hang in there. I hope that everyone's doing well. I hope that everyone's had a delightful summer and has enjoying all the has been enjoying all the feast days that we've had in the beautiful calendar of the Catholic Church. Uh, just like to name a few, like the Assumption of Our Lady, um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, uh, the Feast of Saint Peter and Paul, the Feast of Saint John the Baptist, and just so many wonderful other feast days that we get to celebrate within the church. So I hope that everyone had a delightful summer and got to soak up lots of sunshine and had lots of many adventures filled with uh, many blessings from our Lord. And I'm super excited to go into this next season here on the podcast. Guys, we're already going into season three. This is so exciting. The Lord is so good and where he continues to lead this podcast and to grow the community within the podcast has been such a beautiful blessing and such a beautiful experience. And it just goes to show you that the smallest, tiniest yes to whatever God's asking of you whether that's starting a podcast or something else and you have no idea what he has in store, it's always better to trust him because he always makes everything work out for the glory of his story. So if you are a uh, regular listener, then you know that here on the podcast, we start every episode with a little bit of like a banter, but not exactly a banter because it's just me. So I could banter by myself, but that might be a little annoying or a little repetitive. So I share some more constructive uh, <laughs> elements to the show. So we do a bit of a sharing on what I'm reading lately, what I'm praying with lately, and then something I'm listening to lately. Um, we used to do what I'm loving and what I'm eating, but those were really difficult to come up with every week. So I'm going to be changing it up a little bit here and there. So this week I'm going to be sharing with you something that I've been listening to, something that I've been praying with, and something that I've been reading so that you can take these resources and maybe instrument them. Instrument them. What is, what is the word I'm trying to find here? Um, instigate? No. Implement. That was the word. Implement them into your own life so that these beautiful resources from beautiful Catholic authors and Christian artists and so on and so forth, that you can continue to build your relationship in the love of our Lord and to lift your heart and your mind to the things of above. So before we dive into these wonderful uh, little resources I have for you here, I just want to invite you that if you have any prayer intentions, questions, or anything concerning the podcast, or topic ideas, or certain discussions you'd like 
to maybe uh, hear here on the podcast or maybe uh, to delve into of past episodes we've done, feel free to go to the Promethean Perspective website and you find all of our past episodes, find little bios on each of them and see if there's any episodes there that you would like to delve into. There's actually quite a few. So definitely go over to the Promethean Perspective website and see some of the awesome other episodes that we've done. And a little special surprise that I will give you a sneak peek into right here on the podcast is that in season three, we are going to be having some guest speakers here on the podcast. And so I'm really excited to share all these lovely individuals with you. So stay tuned for that. But before we hop into today's episode, which is going to be about the wildness of trust, the radical surrender it takes to trust, which is a very beautiful topic. Before we dive into that, I am going to share with you something I'm reading, something I'm praying with, and something I'm listening with. So let's go. So first up on our list of what we're reading, praying with, and listening to, the book that I would like to recommend to you guys is actually by a previous professor of mine that I had in my theology studies. His name is Dr. Marcelino de Ambrosio, and his book is called When the Church Was Young. It's the Voices of the Early Church Fathers, and it's a very, very gripping, beautiful book that I've had the opportunity to read over the summer, guys. I have had so many opportunities over this past summer to read, and man, do I love reading. So I have read quite a plethora of numerous books that I'm delighted to share with you. But this is definitely one of the top 10, When the Church Was Young, Voices of the Early Father by Marcelino de Ambrosio, because it's an excellent resource for studies in theology, but also just an excellent resource if you want to grow in deeper knowledge of the history of the church, because this book really does focus on how the church fathers provide brilliant answers to scripture and how uh, the apostolic succession and tradition of faith can be understood in our present day. And these brilliant souls, men that were embattled and sometimes eccentric, uh, were able to define the biblical canon that is really emphasized in the creed. And it really assists us in giving us a deeper understanding of the sacraments and salvation history. And the Church Fathers do an excellent job, and Marcelino de Ambrosio does an excellent job of capturing how the Church Fathers uh, really did preserve for us the rich legacy, particularly of the early church. So it is a very accomplished book, I think, that does a terrific job of combining scholarship with uh, readability. So definitely recommend uh, When the Church Was Young, Voices of the Early Fathers by Marcelino de Ambrosio been an excellent read for me and the um cover art is just gorgeous they have the three uh greek church fathers so saint basil saint gregory nissa and saint Na uh, gregory nanzianzas on the front there been a lovely cover and everyone that i've kind of been chatting with my friends and family members i've just recommended this to a lot of them because it's a lovely book. So that's the book I'm recommending. Something that I've been praying with is a very simple prayer that I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, the Alma Redemptoris Mater, uh, or the Loving Mother of the Redeemer. And it's just a beautiful, very simple prayer that I have just made a habit of incorporating into my daily life because it's kind of like a poem that has a lot of, obviously, scriptural references within it, but it's just beautiful to think about. Uh, so I want to share it with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
loving mother of the redeemer gate of heaven star of the sea assist your people who have fallen as we strive to rise again to the wonderment of nature you bore your creator yet remained a virgin after as before you who received gabriel's joyful greeting have pity on us poor sinners in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and it's particularly beautiful if you want to get unique you to pray this in latin the alma redemptoris mater uh, it's very, very beautiful to pray in Latin. And so that's the prayer I want to share with you. I know, simple, beautiful. That's how Our Lady is. So there you have it. And then something that I've been listening to as of lately is I'm not like a massive music listener, but I did recently hear this song by Lauren Daigle uh, called Rescue. And I want to share, you guys, share with you guys just a tiny little snippet. I can't share all of it because you know, copyright, but here's a little snippet of it. So good, guys. Alright, so that's just like a, a little snippet of that song, Rescue by Lauren Daigle. And she's, for those of you that don't know, she's talking obviously from the perspective of God, in the midst of all of our challenges, all of us, our moments of despair and hopelessness, God will never, ever, ever stop um, aiming to rescue us and to bring us back into the fold of his love. Without further ado, let's hop into today's episode on radical trust. So today's episode is going to be on radical trust. There's a lot of reasons why I chose this episode, but I think it's a very critical topic that I don't think a lot of theologians really touch upon. We tend to spend a lot of time talking about, you know, scripture and the gospels and moral dilemmas within society and the church's response to those dilemmas and such. But when it comes to very like personal entities such as trust within one's relationship with Christ, I don't think it's a topic that gets talked about a whole lot. And for those of you that don't know, we do a more of a, I guess, contemporary or less structured episode, you could say. And then the following week, we'll do Theology Thursday. So one week, we do a very deep theological kind of episode. And then another week, we'll do more of like a practical uh more just down-to-earth episode, not so lofty, if you will. So today's episode is going to just be on how to foster that radical trust within our relationship with Christ, because Proverbs 3 tells us that we have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to not rely on our own intelligence. And it's very important because that line, as simple as it may be that you can find in Scripture, 
it points to the fact that trust truly does require a very deep and intentional relationship. And relationships, as we know, require time. Uh, they require attention. But when it comes to the aspect of, of wild trust, of unrestricted trust, those kind of relationships require total surrender. And there's no one that I think you would rather surrender to, at least for myself, speaking from my own experience here. My microphone's falling down. Um, there's no one that I would rather trust or surrender myself to than the will of God because, as we know, God holds all things in his hands, and he is very trustworthy. He is truth itself. So on the aspect of trusting, you have to really gain an awareness of the fact that in trusting in a radical way, many people will perceive you as crazy because because people don't trust nowadays. There's no trust. There's no trust in our government. There's no trust in politics. There's no trust in social media. There's no trust in friendships, even families. A lot of times there's no trust. Trust is very lacking. It's very, um, what's the word? There's a trust deficiency in the world today. And so radical trust in a God who is so good looks so crazy to other people. So first and foremost, before we even go into this whole dialogue, understand that radical trust to people who don't understand it seems ridiculous, seems irrational. And you have to get to a point where you have to believe that God will always provide a way that he never, ever forgets his promises, as Jeremiah tells us in chapter 20. The Father will always provide a way because he always will, has, is caring for you. And everything that pertains to your life, every single little entity per is, is, is part of his awareness too. Now, that was totally worded in a very confusing way. What I mean to say is that every single entity within your life is seen and known by God. It's not just like part of your life and then God only cares about like the perfect pretty parts. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. That's hopeless theology. But God truly does understand how you feel and he truly understands that you want to be in a place of peace. But what you have to do is you have to permit the Holy Spirit to to work in your soul so that you have a place where he can where he can cultivate something good. The Holy Spirit can make the soil that is necessary to nurture the goodness God desires to bring to fruition within your life. Before we even like dive into what it looks like to trust God, you have to ask yourself like are you even interested in a relationship with him? Like not just not just in the goodness of of the entities that he desires to give you. But are you actually interested in having a personal relationship with the Savior of the universe? Because we have all have these relationships in real life where a lot of times they just happen by chance. They're not really intentional or sought out, but you just happen to be in the same vicinity with an individual, and so you label those as relationships but you're not actually like interested in having a fruitful relationship with that person, but it doesn't really bother you if you are in a relationship with that person. When it comes to God, you truly have to make that decision. God, you can't just like, you know, 
come and go when it comes to your relationship with God. I mean, you can, you have free will, but if you truly desire your soul to arrive at a place of perfection when it, when it comes to the things of above, then you have to be persistent in pursuing that relationship with him because it's only possible to trust when you're certain of whom you're trusting. And, and trust is a fruit of a relationship and a strengthening or developing of a relationship. And so effort to grow on your end um, in that relationship is, is all that God asks us to do when it comes to having a relationship with him because he will always, uh, he will always find a way to, to work out everything on, on the other end, if that makes sense. That there may be a lot of questions when it comes to trusting in a God that you can't see to having a personal relationship with a, a God whom you may perceive has turned his back on you. That's clearly incorrect, but that, you know, that's a reality that a lot of people struggle, struggle with. And so even if God's will is contrary to what you're hoping for or expecting, learn to yearn for his will above all because his will truly is is the most beneficial, is the most consoling, enriching, beautiful plan for our lives that could ever be crafted and it's true that at times God's will can be painful for us because in our fallen nature we have a darkened intellect and a darkened will and so we can't see the beauty of pain we can't see the beauty of our of our own plans being changed by God's goodness so in trusting God don't expect it to be butterflies and unicorns because no growth happens in that when everything's perfect and sunshine and rainbows then there's no growth that takes place. And we know that for things to grow and for things to change and for beauty to come to the surface, there has to be a, a painful process at times of a retilling of the soil, of an uprooting of, re- of weeds. And so know that that pain is okay and that God sees that pain and that Christ will comfort you in that. And thank thank. God, that his way is perfect, as the Psalms tell us. And they're marvelous, and they're overflowing with hope, and you can definitely confidently abandon yourself to God's loving will. Now, I haven't even given any practicals on the virtue of trust and how to trust, but one thing I want to preface this whole conversation with is that where you are right now, it might not seem like a place, it it might not seem like you what am I trying to say here? Come on, Emily, think. Elegance has never been my thing when it comes to words. But I have some idea of what I'm trying to say here. So forgive my non-eloquence. So in the place that you are right now, it might not seem to be what you want, but in the future, the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom to realize that it was what you needed. There's this saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. Actually, I had a classmate in some of my theology courses that said that to me at one point and I was like whoa that's like really deep or not deep but just like you know something I'd never realized before but it's so true that like you know you have regrets and you always look back on things and such and it's true that your hindsight's twenty twenty. it's like why could I have not seen that clearly before that happened or why could I have not seen the situation the way that I'm seeing it now so trust that regardless of where you are right now and where you may desire to be right now that in the future it may not be where you needed to be. That that door wasn't opened or that, that desire wasn't fulfilled or that hope wasn't accomplished because 
God knew that that's not what you needed. And even if it's not on the side of heaven that we come to understand these things, we still have to place that radical trust in God and confidently rely on the Holy Spirit and rest assured that whatever he calls us to do, God will always provide the grace for us to surrender ourselves to his will because that ultimately will lead us to heaven is dying unto ourselves for his glory. And so this leads us to a very big question. And this is a question that I want you to take to prayer. I want you to take it to adoration with you. It's a question that I have taken to prayer many, many times, particularly as a young person in the faith, is do you know how to trust? And, and if so, do you know how to trust God? I think a lot of people don't know how to trust because our trust has been broken. Our trust was ill-conceived to begin with. Our trust is lacking in many ways. I don't think a lot of people know how to trust because either one, they're not trusted, they've not been given opportunities to have an individual to trust, or their trust has been broken. And a very beautiful prayer that assisted me in overcoming this challenge, uh, particularly when I was you know, about 12 or 13, was a prayer that came from the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And at, we, we, as we pray, you know, Jesus, I trust in you. And I was praying that prayer one day, and I said, Jesus, I trust in you. And I had this, like, little question in my heart of, like, but do you actually? Are you just saying those words, or do you actually trust him? And if you do, what effect does that have on your life? How do you trust? How does a deep trust in Christ affect your life? How do you arrive at that level of trust? How do you, how do you recognize that trust can alter the course of your life? And these are, these are a few essential questions that I was faced with and that I had to address. So, you know, you may find yourself in this, in this similar situation. If you, if you allow yourself to embrace the virtue of humility, the Holy Spirit will lead you on a path to the virtue of trust. And if you trust God in, in a particularly deep way, then you have faith in him in an active way. And something I really want to emphasize is that having an active faith in God means more than just believing the idea of the existence that, that God is, or the reality that God is in existence. Like, even the demons believe in God. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, it's not a beautiful thing to believe in God. Like, demons believe in God. Now, Forgive me if I'm not making sense here. If you want a more of a clarification on this, go to James chapter 2, verse 19. What I'm trying to say is that you have to have not just a faith of the reality that God exists, but you have to have an active faith because that means that you believe you can actually fully, completely surrender your life to him, even though you don't know the outcome. We have an idea of the outcome, but when it comes to the particulars of that outcome, you have no idea. And again, my microphone is falling. Per excuse the noise for a second as I tighten this. All right. I was getting lower and lower in my chair as I was talking because the microphone was falling. <laughs> but yes, you have to learn to entrust your whole being to God and his care and his guidance. And how does that, what, is, what does that look like, Emily? Like on a practical level, how does that happen? How is trust in God experienced Let's just use an example, okay? Let's, let's assume that you have chosen to embrace the virtue of humility. And as a result, you begin to lose and abandon the fear that comes from 
worrying about what the world thinks of you and you come to see yourself as God does. Uh, from that stems taking your dignity and value in, in that truth alone. And so you have experienced in a certain sense a freedom from the desire of superficial flattery, superficial opinions. And you ha- are now able to fully desire the good of others even more than your own good because you realize who you are in God's eyes. And then from there, you become more selfless in your thoughts and actions and desires and so on and so forth. And so this good provides the basis for walking down a path of holiness. But something I want to clarify here is that these humble dispositions are only the basis or foundation, if you will, for what is to come on on the next portion of one's spiritual journey. That it's not the cornerstone, it's not the, the, the roof, if you will, it's the foundation. So humility prefer- prepares you to make radical choice to trust, to put your complete all into God and God alone. And as that humility grows, so also does trust in God grow. So so how do you take this additional step of putting all your trust in God? How, how does a, whole, a soul that has uh, grown in the ways of humility and has turned from their own selfishness, has taken the focus off them, how, do, how does one then turn to God in an act of surrender? It's very crucial that throughout this entire process you entrust yourself to God because first that requires that you embrace the fundamental reality that you can do nothing without him. Period. You can do nothing without him. You can't learn to trust God without God. Understanding that is essential to the virtue of having a fuller trusted relationship with God and God alone. So without him, you are left to your sins and to your misery and to your confusion and to your fallen nature. It is very hard to believe at times that you are powerless to do anything good without the grace of God. Trust me. It's it's a difficult kind of mind game that you have to like work through. It's like like you're <laughs> it's sounds crazy but like even to like not believe in god like to have the intellect to to argue against the existence of god like that intellect is a grace from god (laughs) so you know the truth is that no gift talent or quality or or anything that you have is sufficient to make your to, to make or craft or create on your own and to produce good fruit in your life you are powerless by your own effort as you walk down the path of holiness but if you walk down that path with god then he will lead you to great heights of holiness and so I had a real uh, a moment of realization of, of everything that I just shared with you, of, of realizing this and discerning this and walking through this. And then I was faced with the question, but like, do you believe this? Because, Emily, if you believe this, believing truth requires the most basic form of faith, a passive faith. However, believing with this kind of faith is not allowed, uh, enough. Like, faith has to be actively lived. And so it's important to understand the two levels of faith and how one acts on them, how one obtains them, attains them. And um, this we get a little bit more theological here versus practical, but it's essential to understanding how to trust God more. And so let's let's touch first on passive faith, which I guess in in the terms of passive faith, uh, I think a lot of people have a passive faith in today's society. It's essentially the belief that God is the one and the only source of goodness in your life. And that is accurate. That is a true belief. God is the only source of goodness. But, I mean, the ultimate source of goodness. But having a passive faith means that you know and believe this fact and you it doesn't, it doesn't provoke any action. So it's a good truth to discover, and it's definitely an essential step in learning to trust. But sadly, 
individuals either fail to comprehend its fullness and they spend the entirety of their life pondering this versus acting upon it. So once you believe that God is the only source of, of goodness and the ultimate source of goodness, you have to then enter into active faith, that the gospel provokes us to do something. It doesn't just say, God doesn't just heal people from their sins and then move along. No, Christ says, go and repent, er, and rep- sorry, <laughs> go and sin no more. Like, he, he heals them, he reconciles their issues, their problems, he redeems everything and restores everything, but then he sends them on an action to go and sin no more. We are not created to stay with the goodness. We're not like just created to just be given a goodness and to stay there. But to, to grow in that goodness and to share that goodness and to have an active faith means that you allow your belief present in your intellect to move through your will and, and your actions and your desires. And so, in other words, you have to learn to allow what you have come to believe to change you and then change others. And that's a free choice that you get to make to let God to take over let God take over your whole life and produce good fruit in it. That is a perfect example of trusting in God. You know, of, of just acting in the goodness of God. It's a trust that that goodness exists, that that goodness is a reality. And the result of believing in God and trusting yourself to him leads to a phenomenal transformation of your soul because it is through that that God is able to enter into your soul more deeply. And can take control of the areas that you just you're you're done with that you just can't handle the the portions of your heart that are just too painful, the areas that are shameful and and that you would just rather keep in the dark. That he goes into your soul when you permit him, when you open that door to him, and you permit him to take control of these areas of your life. And from there, he will moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day align your life with his holy will because you first freely chose that and living a life with that amount of radical trust will inevitably produce good fruit in your life and in the lives of others so i want to bring us to the matter of the saints because it's one thing to understand what it looks like to trust in god it's one thing to understand how you how you do that and to make the different you know differentiate about particular types of faith and and what prompts us to to serve God correctly and and lovingly but if we turn to the saints who are humans imperfect and finite just like us we can experience on a deeper more I guess more human level what it actually looks like to trust and how they teach us to trust so I want to return to to some scripture because that's what we do here on Promethean Perspective. If we know, if we don't go back to the Word of God, we're hopeless. We need to go back always, first and foremost, to what God says. What does God say? So in the Sermon on the Mount, God speaks very intentionally about the need to rely on the Father's loving care. So we'll use, I guess, instead of using the word God, I'll use Jesus, even though Jesus is God, just to clarify what I'm saying here. Jesus speaks very intentionally about the need to rely on the Father's loving care, the first person of the Holy Trinity. And he says to his disciples, he says, Do not be anxious about your life, or what you shall drink, or what you shall eat, nor about your body, or what you shall put on it. Life is not life more than food, and body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. 
they neither sow nor reap. They gather nothing into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? Thus do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But in all things seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all else shall be yours as well. And that's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 27, and then also verses 31 to 33. So if you want to take that to a bit of a Lexio Divina, uh, in regards to learning how to trust him deeper, I definitely encourage you to do so. And what this scriptural passage points to is that you can, as a finite and perfect broken person, you can completely depend on God's mercy and grace. Completely. You can trust that what God wants to do and everything he desires is only aimed towards our eternal unity, our, our beatitude. The saints has ha, had a truly profound awareness of this, um, of the Lord's presence, of the Lord's concern for their lives. And so it was so profound that they, they didn't, you know, seek signs or wonders that has the, you know, Pharisees and whomever else in scripture did. That, like, the saints understood it because Christ made it obvious that he was, you know, in scripture particularly, he made it obvious that he could be trusted, that, that the Father only desires our goodness. And so God meets our spiritual needs, and he also provides for physical needs as long as we place our trust in him. And I want to draw on St. John of the Cross. He's a phenomenal writer, one of my, you know, favorite saints. I definitely seek his intercession a lot. But there's a story about his life that one day he was informed by the cook in his monastery that there was no food for the following day. And instead of worrying, instead of growing anxious, instead of going out and trying to fix the problem himself, he says, he says, leave to God the care of providing food. Tomorrow is far enough off. God is well able to take care of us. And so the next morning comes and there's no food and, you know, everyone's like, well, St. John, like you were, you know, unprudent and you weren't, you know, being wise. And he's like, no, no, I trusted in the Lord. And just then a wealthy benefactor comes to the door and he explained that the previous night he had a dream that the monks might be in need. And so he brought enough food and supplies to sustain them. And this is exactly what the, you know, the case was for the monks at the monastery. And lots of other saints had very similar instances. And so, uh, there's so many saints out there that you can uh, research and, and to learn from their amounts of trust. And I want to draw on St. John Bosco. He's my brother's confirmation saint. But he had this way of amazing just plethoras of people by managing to care for a large number of orphans and boys without, like, ever having sufficient resources. And, like, any time anyone told him that, like, there was, like, they were facing a financial problem or anything, he would always assure them, like, God will provide. In every single instance, God provided. How did he know God was going to provide? Because he trusted him. And trusting God means believing in his care for us even when evil, society, whatever, seems to be gaining the upper hand. And so if we are trying to do God's work instead of our own, there's never a need to fear the outcome. That the Lord is far above our understanding, far above our intellect, far above everything. And, and the one thing he can't do, however, is to force his trust upon him. 
that you have to freely choose because God gives you the grace to cooperate with him out of your own free will. And so I want to leave you with a quote from St. Francis de Sales because it's particularly beautiful and I think will lead you to some lovely meditation time and prayer. So take this quote to prayer and just open up your heart in such a way that the Lord and the Holy Spirit have the freedom to cultivate trust in the ways that you desire to trust him because we all truly do have a desire to rely on God, to trust in him, to rest in his goodness. And so definitely take the time to to contemplate this. He says, do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same lo- same love <laughs> tongue tied. Do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same loving Father who cares for you today will care for you tomorrow and every day. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace then and put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginings. And that's by St. Francis de Sales. And like I said, definitely take that to, to prayer because God desires for you to find peace in his trust. That, that God desires you to be able to rely on him. That he doesn't want you to have to worry and, and handle everything on your own and to be anxious and desperate. And so rely on him. So anytime you find yourself unable to trust him, doubting in his goodness, just say a simple prayer of like, God, I want to be a person who stands firm and, and knows how to trust you with my entire being, who knows how to surrender all to you. I want to be unshakable and resilient. And I know that that can only happen by surrendering all to you and to abandoning myself to you. Develop, nurture, cultivate that deep trust in me, God, because I so desperately need it and I want it because I want to trust you more. So that's my episode for you all on how to trust and the beautiful radical wildness of trust it's delightful to be back i'm so happy to be back here after a nice uh much needed summer break and i'm excited to delve into more beautiful theological topics about our lord the saints our lady the world church teaching all of the above of the all wonderful good awesome things that pertain to wonderful awesome things So stay tuned for awesome episodes (laughs) throughout season three. It's a beautiful journey. I'm so excited that you are all here along for the journey. And um, I want to end with a prayer. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Gracious Father, we just thank you so very much for the time that you permit us to have here on the podcast to, to talk about your goodness, to talk about your majesty, to talk about good, beautiful things that place our hearts and our minds and focus our entire beings on the things of above. Permit us to realize that this is not our home, that we are citizens of heaven merely passing through here, and that in our time here, um, you desire to lead us to a deeper trust in your goodness and in your will. Help us, Lord, to, to take our eyes off the mountain before us and to put them upon you, the God who moves mountains. We ask all this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, our Queen and our Mother, bless us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for joining me on our first episode here on Season 3 of the Promethean Perspective. I look forward to journeying with you throughout the rest of the season as we take a Promethean perspective on all the wonderful things within life. God bless you all.